Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I grew up in the church. And I've been into my Bible years. I know I can, Revelation to Genesis, backwards and forwards, I can quote them, you know, I just, you get that person that feels like somehow, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I've, you know, I've been, I pray, I read my Bible, I start, you ask somebody why they're going to heaven, they start telling you what they do, you know they don't understand the gospel. You ask somebody why they're going to heaven, they start telling you what Jesus did, you know they understand the gospel. That's, I'm only going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Anything I've done afterwards is, is just a, it's, it's, it's my praise, it's me saying, thank you, Lord. But I'm not going to heaven for anything that I did. I'm going to heaven because of everything that he did. Most of us have heard that exact testimony. Maybe you've even given it where you justify your salvation from hell based off who you are and what you've done. It doesn't matter if you've been in church every Sunday since you were a week old or if you're faithfully giving 10% of every dollar you ever earned. And it doesn't matter how much time you've given to evangelism. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, if you're saved, your testimony should be all about Christ and what he's done for you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. That on the same night in which the Lord or Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And I would point this out, um, you know, as, as much as I know it was uh, in Jesus' humanity, he understood what was coming with the cross. You know, he prayed in Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood, he asked the Lord, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. So there was anguish and tension going on in his humanity. Um, but it was on that night, though, on the night where he knew it was getting ready to go down. And I'm always amazed at this part of who Jesus is. His thoughts are still with them and with us. Right. I'm getting ready to go through the, the most difficult thing I've ever experienced in eternity. But my thoughts are with you guys. I want to make sure you guys remember me the right way. I want to make sure that this isn't forgotten quickly. And so he said, I want you, you got to remember, I want you to be reminded regularly about what I did. And so he took the bread, he blessed the bread, and he, he broke it. And then he said, again in verse 24, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, when Jesus said this, it was prophetic because his body had not yet been broken, but it would be. And he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember me like this. So I refuse to remember Jesus in some other kind of way. I will not remember him through pictures that don't, rec that don't you know, rightly ascribe who he is. I will remember him in the way he put forth. He says, I'm going to die for you, and I want you to remember it like this. He said, this is my body, which is broken, and I want you to, if you, if you note key words, the phrase for you. So my body is broken for you. Broken for you. Right? I'm doing this for you. It's not for me. I'm, I was already in heaven. I left heaven, came to earth, went through all this, and I'm going to have my body broken for you. That's the, that's the most important part of communion. That's why it's so personal. Uh, we may do it as a congregation, as a group, but God says, my body's broken for you, man. Love you. You. Everybody here. I mean, that's to you. You and your, whatever your weaknesses are, whatever your imperfections are, whatever the things, when you look in the mirror, the person you see, the person you know is underneath all that, God loves you. With all the failures, all the sins, all the whatever's there, he loves you. And he says, and so I made a provision. My body's broken for you. And again, I don't know how you can come to this table and not just be humble, thankful, um, man, just be, walk away glad. Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me like you love me. Thank you for making this provision for me. And this is what he did. Verse 25. Now he says in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And we always point out that there's a, another co- the new covenant. The old covenant was there was a, the ongoing sacrifice of animals to cover the sins of the people. But he said, now this is the new covenant in my blood. And if you're writing notes, I'd like you to write down Jeremiah 31, 33 to 35, as, as he spoke of, of a future day, a new co- a covenant that was coming. Jeremiah 31. I'm going to read verses 33 and 34. Uh, You could just write down in your notes. He says this, but this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. And God is letting them know, I'm going to do a new thing in you guys. It's going to be a different covenant, a different way to relate to me, a different way to know me. We know for us that there's no more animal sacrifice. There's no more, you know, lambs and goats and whatever. Jesus became the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. His blood would be shed once and for all to cleanse us and to forgive us. And so once again, as he says with the cup, this is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The new covenant, the God's covenants have always been blood covenants. The old covenant was a blood covenant, the sacrifice, the blood of innocent animals. The blood of the innocent to wash away or cover up the sins of the guilty. The new covenant is also a blood covenant, the blood of the Lamb of God, the blood of Jesus uh, shed, the blood of the innocent shed to wash away the sins of the guilty, you and I. And that's what this meal is, is celebrating. That's what the communion time is celebrating. Now, that's why we do it, because Jesus told us to. Uh, he said, I want you to remember me in this way. This is what he wanted to, to come about, you know, as we as we would take communion, as we would celebrate it. And <clears throat> it's also for us to give thanks. Uh, he gave thanks as he took the bread, as he broke it. He, he gave thanks to the Lord for it. It should be for us a time of, of giving thanks as we celebrate, as we remember what he did. And I, I would encourage us to evaluate it. You know, I, 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 as I was studying through this, I'm like, all right, do I? Do I make communion a somber, kind of a bummer? Like, look at what you did to Jesus. Eat the bread. You feel bad? Good. You know, like, or are we able to kind of take away from it the, the celebratory aspect? But look at what he did for me, right? Look at what he did for me. Look at, look at, I mean, when I think of the fact that because of the new covenant, the new blood, I'm washed, I'm cleansed. Um, there's a verse in Jude, the end of the book of Jude, uh, which is only one chapter. He says, now unto him, who is able to present you faultless. Um, God is able to present me and you faultless. Everybody here know you got some faults, right? Right. What, I mean, I think of my faults and you could think about your faults. Don't think about your neighbor's faults. You just think about your own. <laughs> Plenty there, you know. But when I recognize like, man, all of my faults and God says, I'll be presented one day faultless because the blood of Christ has completely cleansed me. That, that, I mean, you need to just sit with that for a minute. That ought to blow you away. I'm going to get presented faultless. I'm not faultless. But one day I'm going to get to stand there as though I'm absolutely faultless. I am innocent. Um, I was thinking of this. When I was in 12th grade, um, we went. Uh, now, I wasn't saved in high school, so the, y'all about to judge me. Stop. Um, it was one morning going to school. It was one of my buddy's birthdays. And so we were like, oh, let's go. We go. The great idea to go get drunk on the way to school to celebrate a birthday. So 
we went to the liquor store, got alcohol, went to the park, everybody drank, and then we went to school. Um, got to school, and I'm in first period, and one of my buddy's girlfriends, she's a TA, she comes by, and she says, you know, one of the guys with us that don't normally hang with us, he got caught, and he told them every, he gave a list of everybody's name. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> he snitched, he gave up everybody, so... Uh, I should say his name. Some of y'all know him, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm still kind of salty about that. But he gave up all our names. So she's like, they're going to be coming to get you. And this person, I was like, and she's like, and this person told. And I'm like, I can't believe this. So we get to the office. And I mean, we, you couldn't hide it. We had drank Cisco. Uh, for y'all that know, you know, they call that liquid crack. You can't hide that smell. Ain't enough double mint in the world to fix that. So we're sitting there in the office. And I'm thinking, man, this is it's over. You know, we call we. There's no. You just busted. And uh, this was this is um, this is the most amazing thing. Uh, one of the guys with us was uh, our on our football team. He was all city, all state. He was he was bringing USC and all kind of publicity to the school. He had come with us. And when the dean saw him, he is, he didn't never mind me and the other guys. I played football too. You know, never mind all of us. He was like, you were there too. And it was like he had to go back in his office and regroup. And this is what he did. I kid you not. He brought out a breathalyzer. He, right in front of us, took the batteries out, sat them down, closed it, and said, blow into it. And, and he said, I don't know why this is registered. I don't know why this is a register. I can smell the alcohol on you guys. He said, but it's not registering, so I can't really do anything. You guys are going to have to just stay in here for the day. And I remember sitting there, and I knew I knew for a fact that we got off because that guy right there means a lot to the school. We got, we were, we, we got, we got called, I mean, they didn't even call home. We got completely off because of that guy right there. And, you know, I, I remember at the time I was glad because I'm, I mean, I'm a senior. I want to graduate. I don't want to get kicked out of school at 12th grade, you know, and have to start all over again. But I remember, I mean, we, we all are going to go free and we know we're only going free because of that guy. If he wasn't with us, they would kick us all out in a heartbeat. We ain't mean nothing to that school, you know, but that guy meant something. And I remember the, just that, that feeling of, man, we went free. I still wanted to get the dude that snitched, though, you know, so <laughs> you started all this, but we're going to go free because of somebody else. And when you think about the Lord, I mean, we're going to go free. None of us deserve to go to heaven, but we're going. We're going. We're going to heaven because Jesus, because of what he did for me, because he died for me, because his blood was shed for me. I, and that's, that's more liberating, you guys, than to think that I'm going to heaven because I'm good. Some people want to feel good enough. We need to celebrate the fact that it's almost more celebratory to know that I don't deserve to go, but, but I'm going to get to go because he did that for me. Um, I didn't earn it. I never was worthy of it. I never did deserve it in the first place. That'll keep Christians from becoming arrogant. It'll keep you from having an error of I'm better than someone that's not saved yet, not walking yet, not in victory yet. When you realize that I didn't deserve it either. It's a grace. I've been given what I don't deserve. I'm so thankful. Thankfulness brings humility, praise, but it doesn't produce arrogance. You get someone that feels like I work for this. You know, I grew up in the church. And I've been into my Bible years. I know I can, Revelation to Genesis, backwards and forwards, I can quote them, you know. I just, you get that person that feels like somehow, why are you going to go to heaven? Well, you know, I, you know, I've been, I pray, I read my Bible. I start, you ask somebody why they're going to heaven, they start telling you what they do, you know they don't understand the gospel. You ask somebody why they're going to heaven, they start telling you what Jesus did, you know they understand the gospel. That's, I'm only going to heaven because of what Jesus did. Anything I've done afterwards is, is just a, it's, it's, it's my praise. It's me saying, like, thank you, Lord. 
but I'm not going to heaven for anything that I did. I'm going to heaven because of everything that he did. So this meal, this communion meal is the, it's the celebration of the fact that people that don't deserve heaven are going to go to heaven because his body was broken and his blood was shed. Amen. And then we're called to do it in community. We're called to come together and do it because I can have this alone. And it's my personal thanks and praise. But God said, look, I've not just done this for you, Bill. I've done this for many, 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 many people. And how awesome should it be when a group of us that understands this come together and say, we're going to come together and remember what he did for us. And we're going to celebrate him together. I'm, I'm not just celebrating what he did for me. I'm celebrating what he did for you and her and him. I mean, he did it for you, too. We're both going to heaven. and We don't deserve it. Um, and we can celebrate that together. You know, we, that, and that's what that's what. So the communion, when you think about it that way, it should be a time where as a body we're saying, man, I'm just enjoying this time with the body of Christ. I mean, I got these brothers over here and sisters over here. We're going to just celebrate Jesus' goodness to us together. And we're going to break the bread and we're going to drink the cup and remember the broken body and the shed blood. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken, he says, for you. All this has been done for me and for you and for us by him. And we just get to bask in it and remember it and celebrate it. Amen. Paul is trying to clear it up for them because they had it wrong. And the last thing we're going to look at starting in verse well, I'm sorry, two, two more things. Look at verse 26. When we take communion, um, it preaches a message. And that's what verse 26 tells us. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, that's preaching, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes again. So when you take communion, you're proclaiming something. You're proclaiming that he died until he comes again. So when I take communion, I'm saying, I know he died for me, past. And I know he's coming again. And that's an important place because that's where God leaves the Christians. We're thankful for what he did. And we're looking forward to going to be with him. We're looking forward to him coming back. Um, he did this when he came the first time. But we're going to he's coming back again. And we live in that tension as believers. Thankful. And that, that, think about that for the Christian. That means no matter what direction we look in is good. I look back and you might look back. If you look back without Christ and just see all your past and then you might be depressing when you look back at what he did for you, we can rejoice in that. Amen. So we have something we can look backwards no matter what your past says. We can look back at what he did for us and have something to rejoice in backwards. And then I can look forward no matter how rough things are going currently. I can look forward to the fact that he's coming back. All right, whatever's going on here, I'm going to heaven one day. I'm going to be with him one day. Rather, I'm caught up to be with him in the air via rapture. Rather, I die and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. My end is going to be with him. Amen. And so how does a Christian have a bad day? How do I have a bad day knowing this? I can have bad things happen. I can have some difficult things come down on me. Um, but Paul says, man, look, look, this is why we need to remember this. I didn't remember that my past is taken care of and my future is sewn up. I, I mean, I, God has got me sewn up both ways. So when we take communion, we proclaim this message. Um, it should be a witness to other people. And people, you know, why, why you guys do that? Why you guys take communion? Why you guys is proclaiming his death and his return? Now, that's what it preaches. Now, the last section, verse 27 uh, through, we'll look at how to prepare and partake. And this was what the Corinthians were missing. They weren't, they weren't preparing. They weren't coming right, right mind, right heart to the table. And so maybe in your household, before the kids come to the table, they got to prepare. Maybe they got to go wash their hands. Maybe not. Maybe they come with, with dirt and they just eat and it's, it's all good in y'all. But, but in a lot of places, kids got to prepare. They got to go wash your face. Go wash your hands. Wow, I'm about to mess them up eating. Can I just do it afterwards? You know, you, but we prepare in some kind of way to come 
We need to prepare to come to the table of the Lord, to come to communion. So verse 27, he says, now, therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So if you do it in an unworthy manner, you're going to be guilty. So that means we want to be careful not to. Right. What's an unworthy manner? Um, obviously, how the Corinthians were doing it was unworthy. Coming drunk and over, you know, eating and coming drunk and stepping in front of people and not walking in love. But there's other uh, there's other aspects to this. It would be an unworthy manner to come to communion. Right. I'm going to take the symbol of the body of Christ and the symbol of the blood of Christ. And I'm going to receive the symbols, but I haven't received Christ yet. You're eating and drinking damnation judgment. Because what you're doing is saying, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm saying as I take this bread that's been broken for me and I take it, that I understand that Christ's body was broken and I'm drinking this cup, symbolic of the blood of Christ, and I know that Christ's blood has been shed, and even though I'm receiving these elements, I still reject him. Ooh, that's, that's in an unworthy manner. Um, and so we, that's why we would always say communion is for the believer. If someone's not a believer and they're rejecting Christ, then don't add to your judgment by taking communion. Um, don't add insult to injury um, by doing that. Communion is for Christians. Now, he doesn't give this warning so people will say, oh, then I better not take it. That's not the goal. The goal is so people will realize what they need to straighten up so they can take it, so you can get prepared. The goal is that we would all partake, that we just do so in a, in a worthy manner. And so um, another way uh, that would be an unworthy manner is I'm, if I'm taking, uh, I'm, I'm receiving this memorial of Christ that it's, it symbolizes my own forgiveness would it be an unworthy manner to take that in while walking in unforgiveness towards others it would be Jesus said in the, in the Sermon on the Mount says uh, if you don't forgive men their trespasses neither will what neither will your father have heaven forgive you yours we can't be harboring unforgiveness I'm getting ready to eat a meal that says I've been forgiven of everything though I'm guilty I've been washed clean of everything but they talked about me and I'm, I'm holding that you gotta let that go so one way as you prepare, we're going to have a moment to examine ourselves, examine your personal life and walk before the Lord. You want to get clean. God has made that very easy and available. You confess, you confess and acknowledge he cleanses and forgives. Um, I may need to sit down and say, God, I've been I've been upset with this person over here. I, right now, I choose because you forgive me to forgive them. I let, I let it go. I'm not going to talk about it no more. I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to walk in bitterness. I'm not going to walk in. I'm not going to hold resentment. I'm not going to be in that prison. I'm going to free them and walk in forgiveness because you have forgiven me of everything. And I can never, no one ever, no one could ever sin against me as much as I've sinned against God. Uh, whatever you do to me, your sin debt, you can't, I've been sinning against God my whole life. You can't, you can't, you can't catch up. Um, no matter what somebody may do to me, I, I, my debt's bigger. And so I got to let you, I got to let you off the hook. And and just I might continue to walk in it. So those are some ways in which it would be an unworthy manner, not really taking weight of, of what it is that he's done for us. Verse 28 he says, but let a man examine himself. This is what you are to do. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So he says, take a moment, examine yourself. Right. The Bible encourages us to examine ourselves. That means the um, self-evaluation. Uh, it's a great thing before we go and partake. Take a moment just to examine yourself. How are you doing? How are you living? What's not right? What's out of sync? Take a moment and get that right. right? Before you go and take the communion, get right with the Lord. Take, take a moment. He's not encouraging people to skip it, but he's saying examine yourself. Um, get this right. And, and then 
go on and, and, and partake. So he says, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine himself. Verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. So Paul said in the Corinthian church, there are people, he said many that are sick uh, because of this. Many that have, so when he said sleep, that means they died. Um, that means that, that God's judgment upon them has been that, you know what, it, their testimony, there's no testimony left. They're going to just go to heaven. They're going to they're just die, you know. Um, but he says, for this reason, people are not taking it, taking it in an unworthy manner. He says, many, many are weak and sick and, and have fallen asleep or have died. And then in verse 31, it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So if I would examine myself, if I would deal with my own self, I wouldn't have to have the Lord judge me. Um, and that's true through scripture. If I'll examine myself, recognize where I'm wrong, confess and repent, God don't have to step in and get me. God doesn't have to step in and discipline me when I, I go ahead and confess and repent. That's important for us to know. Uh, some people think God is up there looking to whoop you. Some people think God is like, ooh, I'm a, you do, as soon as you, you know, like he's just waiting to put the whammy on you. But that's not God's heart. He's slow to anger. He's compassionate, merciful. And so many times God is, I mean, there's this grace has been given. People have given, been given room and time before God steps in and whoop you. You've been given 20 million chances to, to repent and turn back, but you wouldn't. And so God finally says, okay, I got, I, I convicted you there. I spoke to you through the message there. Somebody came and said something to you there. I woke you up thinking about it here. You just ain't going to repent, huh? Well, I got something for you then. And, and, that's, and that, if we have to, he will. He's a good dad. But if you can examine yourself, God said, I'll spare you. I remember uh, Hezekiah, I believe it's in uh, 2 Chronicles 32 or 33, but Hezekiah, who was one of the good kings, I mean, he did a good job. And it says that at one point, he got lifted up with pride in his heart. And it says the judgment of God loomed over him and the people. He didn't know. God didn't announce it. God didn't say, Hezekiah, man, I'm about, to, I'm, about to put, I'm about to put it on you. He didn't say anything, but it was, the Bible says that it was looming over him. And it says, then Hezekiah, um, he was convicted about the sin in his heart and he just confessed it and repented of it. And so God said, so then the, the judgment of God was removed. He, nothing had to happen. It was like God said, I was, it was going to happen. I was, I was giving you some time. Hezekiah said, you know what? I'm tripping. He repented all by himself. And God said, okay, good. We good. But you, you ended up where I wanted you to end up at. So God's not excited about, you know, any, any good parent, you're not excited about having to whoop your kid. You know, you're not running around with a belt saying, I wish you would do something. I, I can't wait for the next time. I got a new belt. You know, no parent, no good parent is excited about disciplining the kid. You know, if, if, if it's some things that it's a necessary evil. You forgot, if I have to, I will. But no one's walking around looking for a chance to discipline children that they love. But if you love them and it comes to it, you will discipline. That's that. That's y'all hear that. If you love them. And they need it. You will just because some of y'all are missing that step. That's that's Bible. That's another study, though. Um, so but God's not looking to get us. You know, he's uh, if, if we can repent, he'll forgive us. That's his heart because he loves us. He loves. I mean, it's, it's everything in his everything in his word just points to the fact that he loves us so much. Verse um, 29. For he who eats and drinks again in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks Judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when you are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. 
Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. Least you come together for judgment and the rest I will set in order when I come. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.